0: So, we see the story of an underdog here in the name of David. Um, It seemed like an impossible task for David to accomplish. Um, And this was a battle that was going to be a defining moment both in the life of David and and in the nation of Israel. If David wins or uh, defeats Goliath, the Israelites were going to be free and the Philistines were going to become their slaves as it were. But if Goliath had won that battle, it would have been, you know, on the flip side. That is, um, the Israelites would have been subservient to the Philistines. And we see so many things that we can talk about, you know, in this passage of scriptures. But there are just some basic things, you know, that I want to talk about this morning, you know, that I didn't mention last week, Sunday. One of the things we need to understand is this. God's promise of headship, we all know God's vision for us in this house, right? If you've been a part of this house, you uh, must have had that over and over in every service. That we have been called to raise fully devoted followers of Christ, right? To become significant in life and in the marketplace. And that's from Romans 8 and verse 29 and Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. In Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13, the Bible says you shall be the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. So God's promise of headship, we need to understand that it cannot become a reality. Except we defeat the opposition that are currently occupying that space of headship. You need to understand that there is no space that God wants to give you. There is no sphere of influence that God wants to give you that is empty. Even the promised land, the Bible says that when Moses sent spies there, there were already giants in the land. It was not an empty land. It was not a barren land. Somebody was already there. You see? So, Goliath represented an opposition on the path of the children of Israel, uh, right? Stepping into a new phase. For them to step into the new phase or the new level that God had in store for them, Goliath had to be brought down goliath is not just a person goliath represents a concept goliath represents a reality goliath represents something that you and i will have to deal with in life and in the marketplace and let me tell you this there is no amount of prayer that you will engage in that will make god remove every opposition on your path there is no amount of prayer you see god loved the children of israel he gave them the promised land but they see how to fight their battles there are some believers, I don't know where they got that ideology from. They just believe that the moment I give my life to Christ, I don't have to, you know, engage in any battle. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to, you know, take a stroll through life, you know, and live a good life, a life without, you know, <laughs> challenges. Even Jesus said in this world, you will. He didn't say you may. He said you will have tribulations. He said, but rejoice because I have defeated the world. So it simply means that even Jesus had to fight a battle. You see, the coming of Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection, right, was a battle with an opposition. Jesus had to fight and to win that battle for man to be saved, for us to have been saved. You see, so we need to understand that the Israelites could not enter into the promised land, even though it had been given to them until they defeated the opposition. God had already given it to them. There's a scripture I came across sometimes back, you know, that really blessed me. Deuteronomy 2 and verse 24. Deuteronomy 2 and verse 24. The Bible says, rise ye up. Take your journey. Right? And pass over the river of Anon. Behold, I've given into thine hand Sion the Amorite, king of Ishbon and his land. Did you see that? God said, I've given it to you. If you've given it to me, what should I do? Shouldn't I just go there and start having a nice time? No. (laughs) He said, begin, even though I've given it to you. He now says, begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Even though I've given it to you, if you don't contend, it will not be yours. So the problem, the gap for many Pentecostal Christians, right, is that we celebrate what God has given us. And we don't engage in battle. That's why you see a lot of people confess. A lot of people, are, ah, you know, <laughs> so much excitement. Charismatic display. About what Christ has done, but they forget about what they are supposed to do. To work in the reality of what Christ has done. Am I making sense? Now, to try to possess a land that God has not given you is an effort in futility. It will never be yours you see there was a time there was a particular land right when the children of israel after they left egypt and they began to possess this land god gave them a specific instruction he said there are some lands that you are only supposed to pass through you must not possess it because i've not given it to you he said i've only given it to the descendants right i I think of Esau. thereabout he said i've given it to them he said as small as a foothold of that land cannot be yours because i've not given it to you So if they had engaged in battle, they may have taken it, but eventually it will go back to the one God has given it to. So the first thing is to identify the space that God has given you and I. Let me tell you this, there is a space for you and I in the marketplace. So that one is not a function of, has God given me a place, is there a place for me? Yes, there is a place for you. So the subject we need to deal with now is that how do I take that space? That God has given to me. How do I begin to possess it? Just like it said concerning the king of Ishbon, he said, I've given you his land, but you need to begin to possess it. And how do you do that? By contending with him in battle. The land and the territory you are able to occupy is largely dependent on the opposition you have defeated. I'm going to say that again. The land and territory you are able to occupy in the marketplace, right, is largely dependent on the opposition you have defeated. If David had killed another Philistine soldier, nothing would have happened. He had been killing a lion. He had killed a lion and a bear before. He didn't change his status. He didn't change his history. But the day he destroyed Goliath, everything changed. He became the king's in-law. It stopped paying taxes. It became the general of the army. So that simply tells us that it is not every problem that is worth solving. I'm going to say that again. It's not every problem that is what? worth solving. Worth solving. Yeah. Problems have different rewards attached to them. And so the higher you intend to rise in life and in the marketplace, the greater must be the problems you are solving. I think I'll talk about that more in the second service. Don't let me digress. So we need to also understand this morning that defeating the opposition is not a once and for all experience. It is a lifetime responsibility. I'm going to say that again. So, what we are talking about this month is not something you just engage in or put to work in this month of May. And say, ah, finally, I have overcome. No, 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 no. There's nothing like that. It's a lifetime experience. It is something you must do for the rest of your life. I had this quote many years ago, you know, from the uh, current ruler of Dubai, Sheikh Rashid bin al-Maktoum. He said, my grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. He said I drive a Mercedes Benz, my son drives a Land Rover. His son will drive a Land Rover, but his own son will ride the camel. You didn't get that. What he's trying to say is, my grandfather fought Saturn BC, when you look at the UAE and how much they have developed. In the last few years, few decades, some people just go, "Wow, what if we have leaders like you?" Say it's not something that you know. There is a generation that is enjoying the labor of the past. So what he was trying to say when he said that in that interview, or maybe I think it was in his book, right? Um, I can't remember the title of the book. Huh? My vision. Thank you. You know when he said that in my vision, what he was trying to say is this: You see, I have my my father fought his own battle, right? i am fighting my own battle my children or my own son will you know benefit from the battle that i'm fighting and because he can see me fighting my battles he has also learned to fight his own battle so he is going to drive a land rover but his own son will also drive a land rover But his son's son is going to ride the camel that is he will go back to where our great-grandfather started from. Because if he does not understand that there is a battle in his own generation, he needs to fight. He will go back to where he started from. Why is it that the children or the grandchildren, right, they say that wealth, no matter how much wealth has been accumulated, oftentimes it gets lost in the third and fourth generation. Why? Because the third and the fourth generation most times are oblivious to the sacrifices the first generation made in creating their wealth. So, if you create wealth, right, your children most likely will see what you did. They will see how daddy woke up in the morning, how daddy stays up late in the night, how mommy, you know, will, will, will go, you know, on trips and do those things. So, they see those work ethic. And the, uh, uh, the unfortunate thing, right, is most times people give to their children, especially successful people, everything except what made them successful in the name of the things i did not enjoy i want my children to enjoy it so they give them what they got they don't give them what made them get what they got do you understand what i just said so every generation will have its own battle and you need to understand you see <laughs> there were hooks that Saul so contended with the Amorites and all those guys <laughs> david in his own generation and during his own you know should we say administration or rulership or whatever he still fought the same people the same philistines right that Saul fought david still fought even when he became king they still showed up so the fact that you have defeated the opposition doesn't mean the opposition will not show up again the higher you want to go the greater will be another opposition the day you stop defeating the opposition in your path is the day you stop rising for every level there is a new devil am i making sense this morning and you need to understand that and never forget it. Every generation will have to fight its own battle. The battle may be easier because of the sacrifice on people paying them the pass but the battle must still be fought. It still has to be fought. It still has to be fought. Hmm. It still has to be fought. Zechariah 4 and verse 7. The Bible says who are thou, what great mountain before Babel? You shall become a plain and it shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. So there is a place of grace in bringing down the opposition in the marketplace. There is a place of grace. But you and I need to understand that grace does not exempt us from work. Grace does not exempt us from work. Grace does not exempt us from work. There is a new ideology going around town now. Right? In this um, so-called grace message, right? That is unscriptural that tells you that, you know, a life without restriction, a life that, if you live anyhow, your life will be anyhow. A life without restriction is... Where is the opposition? I think I mentioned this last week. I can't remember so it's better I just repeat myself again. The opposition are the power players in your field. The opposition, number two, refers to anyone who is in a position of authority. Who is not forging the purposes and agenda of God because the Bible says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God. So any space that is not occupied by a genuine child of God, not a Christian, somebody who is a Christian by title. There are many Christians by title who have no Christian values. There was a time in this country people would say, "Ah, if you can just have a governor who is a Christian, if you can just have a president, we've them. Local government chairman who is a Christian, we've them. It didn't reflect because it's one thing to go to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car. It is the adoption of kingdom principles and values that makes you a Christian. It is living Christ's life that makes you a believer." with the opposition. The opposition also refers to anyone that wants to take the place that God has given you. That's why Jesus was saying to John the beloved in Revelation 3 and verse 11. It says Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no man will take your crown. So that no man will take your crown. There's a crown that God has given to you and I. You see, the reason why a lot of people's crowns are taken away from them is because, number one, they are oblivious of the fact that God has given them a crown. Crown simply means authority. It means influence. It means power. It means the ability to cause changes. Many people don't even know what God has deposited on their inside. And that is why, you know, it's very easy to steal something from you if you don't even know you have it. Because when it is stolen, you will not even know anything has been stolen. So we said, number one, if you're going to defeat the opposition, you must believe that you can. That's the foundation. You must just believe that you can. You must believe. You must believe. You must believe. You must believe. And the truth is, for many of us, it's very difficult for us to believe that we can defeat the opposition. Because of the things we've been exposed to. Years of programming that has made us to unconsciously believe we are victims. The things you saw, the radio programs you listen to, you know, there was, you know, a day, uh, you know, uh, recently I was having a conversation with First Lady and she was telling me about someone we know who was listening to a particular radio program. I never knew that program still existed. Because I had that program too when I was growing up uh, in kambe I was, you know, you know, where they talk about how somebody gave birth with the head of a know, like all, all those fictitious things, you know, that, that are not practical. You know, maybe it happens is i'm not saying it doesn't happen but me i've not seen one i've not <laughs> half human being half snake half you know all those so how can you be watching or listening to something like that it you see it will magnify more in your life the reality of the demonic realm am i saying the demonic realm doesn't exist of course it exists that's why as a believer you need to understand your authority in Christ. But the Bible makes us to understand that it will bruise the devil under your feet shortly. Luke 10:19, it says, I've given you power to trample upon snakes and scorpions and to overcome all, not some, not most, all the power of the enemy. So if he has dealt with it and he has given me the authority, I don't need to bother myself with the reality of it. I don't need to. I don't need to. The time some people should be, should be spending, taking possession of what Christ has made available to them, they are spending it battling with the, the defeated fool has been defeated all you need to do is to understand what christ has made available to you and walk in the consciousness and reality of it so many people don't believe they can because of programming, the things they have had it are growing up from the media they have had so many things that does not make them you see let me tell you this the people who rise in life they don't listen to such things they don't they are not even aware those things exist some of us, we have to battle with some of those programmings we had growing up. You see, battle with it very fast and move on to most important, more important things. Because you can't be dealing with those things. I think it was Apostle Paul that said, you know, that let's let's move away from the elementary doctrines. Let's move on to better things. So you need to believe that you can. You need to believe that you can. Anything that will, that, that will make you to be thinking like a victim, like someone that is oppressed, that's why I will never be a, a supporter of the message that positions the believer as all being oppressed by the devil. That you now have to be fighting with the devil. Fighting with who? It's under you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, you should see, witches are afraid of you. You just don't know. You are not the ones supposed Witches. Who, who are witches? Have you noticed that if you study the Bible, there are no mention of witches and wizards? It tells you how important they are. The only time it was mentioned was a woman, the witch of Endor, that Endor, something like that. That Saul went to consult after God had left him. That was the only time. So if it were important, the Bible, the Bible starts talking. It's demons. So they are very far. So the ones the devil, the Bible did not recognize. Those are the ones we are battling with. Even the devil, their master, he said, "I've given you power to trample upon upon him." I've brought him under your feet. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So believe that you can. That's why you must have covenant understanding. You must have an understanding of of who God has made you. As a believer going to work, as you go to work tomorrow, you must have that understanding I'm not just the only one going to work. As you call those customers, have that consciousness. I'm not the only one calling them. They must hear the voice of Christ in my voice. Can Jesus try to sell something to a customer the customer will say no? He must carry that consciousness the reason why business is hard is because you are thinking it is hard can jesus be in his field and the business will not be working oh it's not possible and the bible tells us that he was actually in business before he went into ministry in case somebody might try to contend with that in the future because when many of us sing our carpenter, I was a carpenter. Let me tell you this. That is why one of the things I, I you know I'm telling even the leaders now is everybody in this house and very soon it should get to all the workers. You must have a study Bible. So you not be believing the nonsense you have been hearing, you know, that is not scriptural. When the Bible says the word carpenter, that word carpenter in the original Greek means a project manager. It's not the carpenter you are aware of, you know, that you know that is using a man nail. So when they say Jesus was a carpenter, stop thinking of the carpenter by the roadside. He was a project manager. He was a businessman. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That was what Jesus did before he stepped out. That was what his father, earthly father, bio, um, he didn't have a biological father. <laughs> Joseph, that was what he was doing and that was what he learned. Believe that you can. That's where it starts from. Number two, you must never underestimate the power and influence of the opposition. You must never do that if they are going to defeat the opposition in life and in the marketplace, never underestimate the power and the influence of the opposition. Hmm. I'm always reminded of Amnon. Amnon was meant to be the uh, uh, king, right? After David, he was the first son of David. But the Bible tells us that this guy, you know, started having feelings for his half-sister, raped the half-sister, you know, And the brother of Tamar that was raped, Absalom by name. The Bible said he kept quiet. He didn't say anything to Amnon, either good or bad, for two years. And after two years, Absalom, you know, organized a party. And invited, you know, Amnon and the other king's son. And the stupid guy went. You know why? He underestimated the vengefulness of Absalom. just assumed that two years, he didn't do anything. Let's go, Jari. Let's go to party. Not knowing that the party was organized for his assassination, he underestimated his opposition. The party was organized. Absalom didn't mind spending that money to feed everybody just to kill one man. Many of us, we have not risen to the heights we should have risen to in the marketplace because we underestimate the price that needs to be paid to get there. We underestimate the prejudice as oh, What is it? I can't do it. It's not by confessing it. Your confession must match your action. It must match it. Your confession should not be greater than your action. You two must work in tandem. The Bible also tells us about the son of Solomon, Rehoboam by name. After he became king, the city came to him and said, You know what? We served your father. He had so many projects, you know, he was engaging, so he increased the taxes. He increased our taxes. So, we had no problem with that. He said, but the projects are now complete. Can you please reduce the taxes? I don't know if you know the story, but the guy went to the people that counseled his father and they said, what well, those people said they are correct. Solomon has you know, finished the projects. The building of the temple, the building of the palace, you know, and all the 1000 shrines that he built for all his babes and side chicks <laughs> said there is no need for that anymore he said reduce the tax he said if you do that these people they will serve you for life he now went to his friend that have never led anything See, let me tell you some of us when you are asking for counsel who are you at who is counseling you the people that have never done the thing your friends that they, <coughs> it's amazing so his friends told him they are testing you show them who the boss is so it's when they said my father beat you with kings i will beat you with koboku." <laughs> they said wow what he did is he underestimated the power of the people and the bible says that everybody said to your tent old israel he still did not understand what had happened he still sent his tax master to go and collect taxes they took that one beat him and killed him that was when they realized that wow these people are serious but it was too late Never underestimate the opposition. Never underestimate. You see, it is better to overpay the price than underpay it. Never, you see, the problem of Goliath was Goliath underestimated David. He was looking at the size of him. He said, am I a dog that you come to me with? Ah. He looked at him, he, this small boy. He underestimated him. Hmm. Never underestimate your opposition. Never. Never. The fact that you have prayed, the fact that you have fasted, doesn't mean you should not carry out your research. That doesn't mean you should not do what is required. Am I making sense this morning? One of the favorite books I read in 2020, you know, a book by Curtis Jackson. It was talking about how there was a particular day, you know, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather, uh, nobody has still, uh, he has not been defeated in boxing. How many of us, you know, I don't know if you're a fan of boxing, but I love to learn about people especially when they have a strong track record. He said it was this particular day, Curtis Jackson is 50 cents, right? So he said it was this particular day, he was going for, you know, uh, a, 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 is it a match they call it now? Is it a boxing match? Is that what they call it? I don't know. <laughs> so he was going for a fight, right? And um, he said he just noticed because proud to, to that time, as I, I think that was maybe like three or four years ago, nobody had defeated him. He said, so he could see in his friend this pride that I'm I'm undefeatable. So he said, the way he was going, I I think before then, he noticed that he didn't practice well. He said he was about to go inside. Something just told him, based on his experience on the streets, that if he goes into the ring this way, he's going to be defeated. So he said, he called him and spoke into his ears. He said, this guy you are about to fight. He said, he wants to take food from your table. This guy wants to render you naked. He wants to destroy your life. He said he said what's that? He said all of a sudden his face countenance just changed that. What are you saying to me? He said the anger was what he took into the ring. Finish the guy. <laughs> on that two rounds. Maybe two or three rounds. He said the way he beat the guy was just like you want to kill this guy? If not because he had a friend that gave him perspective he would have lost that fight. And let me tell you this, for many people, their hunger is always strong when they are starting out in life. The moment they become comfortable, they begin to lose that hunger. They begin to lose it. Whatever got me here can take me there is a lie. Whatever got you here cannot take you there. It can't. It can't. IBM underestimated Larry Page and Sajibrain. I'm talking about the founders of Google. Do you know the fathers of Google went to those guys with the idea, Larry Page and Sergey Brin? They said we have this idea of search engine. You know, they were still in school. They said when you finish your school, come back. All these um, university students, all these nonsense ideas, and they underestimated them. Look at what Google has become today. iPhone was underestimated than Samsung by Nokia and BlackBerry thought of iphone years ago even seven years ago nobody cared about what was iphone or samsung in the blackberry porsche ah, i was remember blackberry porsche i was the thing but the only you see let me tell you this people may underestimate you but you don't underestimate yourself never underestimate your position never never You know, the underestimating, everyone that underestimates, and when we're talking about underestimation, you can also underestimate people coming behind you. You can. Don't underestimate their hunger. Don't underestimate their passion. That's why people are taken out of their place. Let me tell you, discomfort is the greatest destruction of success. Write that down and never forget it. Comfort is the greatest destruction of success. The moment you become comfortable, you must ensure you keep putting structures around your life that make you uncomfortable to reach out for more. If you are too comfortable, you will not strive for more. Comfort is the greatest destruction of success. Your work ethic is a reflection of your estimation. Your work ethic... You can't tell me that no, 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 I'm not underestimating my opposition. I can see it in your work ethic. I can see it. I can see I can see that you're underestimating the price that needs to be paid to achieve the dreams you have by your work ethic. Bill Gates was told that his invention, the personal computer, was a toy that will soon fizzle out. As it fizzled out? You know the mistake of the establishment in the United States in 2017 was underestimating the ambitions of Donald Trump. They made sure they didn't make that mistake the second time. It's all over the internet. As in they said it with confidence that Donald Trump will never be a president. They said it with all boldness that Donald Trump never, he has never been a politician, he can never be a president in the United States. Right before the eyes, he became a president. Because he underestimated him. That's why the second one, they say they leak. They say they don't leak. I don't know. I'm not part of their system. But they knew that this guy, the way he's going, it will become president. So, they did whatever they can to ensure he does. They underestimated him the first time. They didn't make the mistake the second time. You might have made that mistake the first time. Stop making that mistake. Number three, you must be fearless. You must be fearless. You must be fearless. You must be fearless. I'll tell you something in a few moments that will change your life forever. Hmm. <laughs> when I discovered this, it was a revelation for me. When you go to that story or that account, the Bible tells us that David ran towards Goliath. Why did David run towards Goliath? Why? Have you ever thought about it? Because let me tell you this, the slower your pace, the easier it is for you to be afraid the faster you move. You see, in life, your pace of motion must be faster than your emotions. The moment you start sitting down, analyzing, analyzing, fear will grip your heart. So, before David could even have the opportunity of being afraid, he had done what he was supposed to do. Goliath was already on the floor. He had cut off his head before he came to an awareness that ah, what did I do? The faster you move, the lesser your fears. The slower your move, hmm, or the slower you move, the more your consideration and analysis, and the greater your fears. Speed is a requisite to fearlessness. Never forget that. Speed is a requisite, right, to fearlessness. If you are going to be fearless, it's not just by saying, ah, I will not be fear." You see, look at what happened to Jesus. In the garden of Gethsemane. it got to a point, Jesus began to consider the pain, everything he was going to go through, but he had to make that switch. Not my will, but yours be done. That's why when they came, he said, "What you, That's why he told them, I, I, I'm, I'm Judas, He said, What you have to do, do quickly. Do quickly. He just I sat down praying there. He should die. Ah, Jesus. I be, <laughs> no, not Jesus. God. What should we do? Are you sure? He may not have died. Because don't forget, he was 100% human. He was 100% man and 100% God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When he was on the earth, he was 100% man. So he, he, it's not because he was superhuman or he was God. That's why he was able to die on the cross. It was because they knew that he had to do what he had to do. If you have spent, whatever else you have dreams, you have goals, you have plans, but you are overanalyzing it. Hey, if you're do we? Before you know it, when you start overanalyzing, you will start seeing how it will not work. Everyone that has done something and it has worked for them, they had a thousand reasons also why that thing will not work but they moved faster than their emotions. Let me tell you this, fearlessness is lent. It is not a gift. It's not an impartation. It is lent. Why was David able to run towards Goliath? Because he was already used to running to things that people run away from. He ran towards the lion. He ran towards, the, you see... So, the day it matters, if you have not been developing yourself and running towards what others are running away from, the day it truly matters, you will not have the confidence to confront what you need to confront. So, even in the little things, start running towards your fears. In the little things, do what normal people don't do. That takes me to my last point for this morning. You have to be delusional to the public. What do I mean by that? When David came to the battleground and saw everything that was happening, his brothers looked at him and said, are you alright? Say, you are proud. You came to check out the battle. So, what did you leave the ship with? They thought it was crazy. If you are going to bring down the opposition in the marketplace, you must take steps that people will consider as being crazy. You must do, you see, if you are doing only the things that are normal, your life will be normal. I hear what I'm saying. Nothing will be extraordinary about your life. Everything will just be normal. You know, you you come out of school, you get a job. Nothing exceptional. You just come, live, die, and go and be forgotten without no impact. If you are doing only normal things, your life and your results in life will be normal. 1 Samuel 17 28 to 29. And Eliab, his elder brother, had when he spoke unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom did you leave the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. Did you see that? He so said, you are proud. How can you, how can you even consider doing this? You are proud. So, if you have not started taking steps or doing things that the people that have always known you, start saying that, oh, this guy is so proud. He will not defeat the opposition. If people don't start looking at you, that ah, your own is too much. It simply means you are still in the same circle of mediocrity. Same circle of mediocrity. Hmm. The people around you must consider your most crazy and reckless. But to you, it must be a calculated risk. To every other person, David was reckless. But to David, he had done something like that before. So, because he had, not seen, they did not see him when he was running towards the lion. They did not see him when he was running towards the bear. So, so as far as they were concerned, this guy is just been paranoid. This guy is just delusional. But to David, it was a calculated risk. You remember what he told Saul? The Lord was with me when I killed the lion, when I killed the bear. This one is too small. So, it's not like David was just, he was mad, as it were. He was taking a calculated risk. But to every other person, he was being delusional. So, as I close, let me tell you this. People will tell you, don't put all your eggs in one basket. If you want to defeat the opposition in your field, ah, you must put all your egg in one basket and watch the basket closely. If you are just starting out in life, you are here doing this one, doing that one. The reason why many people will never amount to much in life is because they are doing too many things. You want to be a fashion designer. You want to be a crypto trader. You want to be... Um, a wig maker. You want to be just doing too many things. Doing too many things. Your energy has to be channeled in one direction. You put all your eggs in one basket. You say, ah, but the people that are successful, they have multiple streams of income. In the second service, I'll talk about that. But let me tell you this. People don't start out have been multiple streams of income. It is when they have made income in one specific thing, a specific thing, and they have the resources, that they now put it in things in form of investment. Not that they are doing this or doing this. See, if you do too many things, everything will crash in your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for the seed of your word that has been sown in our hearts. We thank you because the grass withers the flower face, but the word of our God abides forever. We thank you this morning for what you have shown us from your word. We ask that the